branch. We'll back to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. Just a reminder, we have a get-together this evening for the our only graduate, <laughs> our high school graduate. Jared's going to have a get-together there at our house from uh, 2 p.m. till 5 p.m. That'll give us a little time to get home and get the place set up. And it was raining pretty good when I got up this morning, so that pushed us off a little bit. But you're all welcome. Here in Genesis 37, the title of my message is Our Willing Brother. Our willing brother. It says in verse 12, Genesis 37, 12, And his brethren, Joseph's brethren, went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Do you remember where Shechem was? That's where Dinah, their sister, was defiled, wasn't it? And the Lord said, you're going to dwell in tents, you're going to dwell in houses. So he said, well, I'll build booths. <laughs> Semi-hardened structures with three sides. And and then with all the pain that went on there, where's the flock at in Shechem? We we have a hard time learning, don't we? I do. They did too. But his brethren went to feed their flocks, their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Aren't they down there in that wicked land? Is that where they are? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And Joseph he said to him, his father, here am I, here am I. Am I is in italics, right? He says here. You know what that means? The Hebrew word means lo, behold. That's what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 40, wasn't it? Then said, I lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God. Joseph there, he delighted to serve his father, to go after his brethren, down the land of Shechem. He says, here am I. If nobody else go, I'll go, send me. <laughs> I'll do it. Joseph's such a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ in this. He's a, a, a picture of him, a picture of him. And those sons of Jacob, those other 11, boy, what, just, a, just a glimpse we get of what we are, of what all mankind is, everybody born of Adam. Joseph, he delighted to serve his father, and he was so willing to go to them where his brethren were, those very ones that hated him. They said, I'll go. I'll go. And then us, natural man, because of pride, we're just like those other sons of Jacob. Because of pride, we have a very high view of self and a very low view of God. We come from the womb. We don't believe God. We think we're superior. Well, this is how we've always done it, or I think, or right? this is how it ought to be done. And in doing so, we're hating him. Because of our pride, because of our high view of self, we hate God. We hate our elder brother that came here for us. Our nature, our instinct, from Adam to me, we cannot stand, our natural man cannot stand that Christ has preeminence in all things. He comes first. He's the loved one. He's the favorite son. We hate that by nature. We hate that. Look at verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, he was the favorite. They hated him. 
They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. They, they, they didn't even have a kind word to say. What, what a, well, I was taught from, from a young age, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> you ain't got something that ain't correcting and, and mean and hard and, and vulgar or whatever. Just keep your mouth shut. Those, those other 11, they was raised right, wouldn't they? I can't say nothing nice. I'm going to hold my peace. I'm not going to say anything at all. They couldn't speak peaceably. They had nothing nice to say at all. He knew this. If I had 11 brothers and none of them had spoke to me in a while, a year or two, I'd kind of get the hint, wouldn't I? This hatred that they had because they were so mad at him because the father loved him more, it grew. It grew. Look at the end of verse 8, Genesis 37, 8. It says, And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. They hated him for that. And that jealousy went beyond that, or the uh, the hatred went beyond jealousy. It was envy. Jealousy is like, I want what you got. And envy says, I want what you got so bad, I don't even want you to have it. That ain't fair. It's a shameful thing, isn't it? Look at verse 11, Genesis 37, 11. And his brethren envied him, envied him. What did that grow into? They fed it, didn't they? Did they say, boys, let's get together and get Dad out here and Dad, why don't you pray to God for us that he'd soften our hearts and make us put down these things and have no contention and extinguish our pride and make us live peaceably one to another. We're all sinners. You told us so, and God's Word says so, and we believe it. Why didn't they do that? No, they just let it go, didn't they? Just stewed on it, and it grew. What did it grow into? Look at verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, Joseph was coming, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. This one that thinks he's got all the prophecies, he's going to say stuff before it happens. Who does he think he is? Come now, therefore, verse 20, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will come of his dreams then. We'll see, we'll see if you're the one that's exalted up. We'll kill him. We'll throw him in a pit and say some tiger come by and got him. And that isn't, it is not, some sibling just being mad at another sibling. I don't know. If, I'm sure if y'all have siblings, you've never done this. But when I was growing up, my sister's a little older than me, and I'd get her by herself. I'd say, I'll kill you. <laughs> don't you dare take that last piece of chicken. That's mine. I'll cut your head off. <laughs> Later, we hugged and got over it, didn't we? That's not what it's talking about. When they said, I'll kill we're going to kill him, that's a murderous hatred. It's a murderous hatred for these very ones. These ones that hated that he was preeminent. These ones that hated that he was he was going to be sovereign over them. That they were going to have to bow down to him. And he's going to reign over them. The, the, the ones that wanted to kill him. That's the very ones in verse 13. Joseph says, behold, here am I. Lo, I'll go. I'll go down there to Shechem for him. And these sons of Jacob, we see what all of mankind is by nature before God comes to them. That's what we are. We hate God. And in Joseph, we see Christ, our willing brother, the firstborn, who came to serve us, what does the scripture say, while we were yet in our sins, while we hated him. Lord willing, Wednesday night, we'll see that this sin's not just something bad that's done. We've all committed a lot of sins. I've committed sins today. But the sin, singular that feminine noun, it's hating the triune God by hating the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that's in flesh. 
not believing him, not trusting him. As I said, the Spirit's going to come, the Holy Ghost is going to come convict men of sin. Why? Because they believe not on me. If, if, if we were to get up and have, uh, that was popular in Appalachia back in the 70s and 80s, get up and have confessions. Everybody take turns. We tell all the bad things we did that week. I never recommend doing that. Keep that to yourself. But if somebody was set up and say, I'm going to tell you the worst thing I've ever done in my whole life. I've been through some stuff, Mike. Uh, I've been to war. I know what I am. I know what mankind is because I'm worse than the rest of them. And I said, I'm going to tell you the worst thing I've ever did in my whole life. God said it here and I didn't believe him. I thought I was right. You said, well, that ain't that bad. That ain't that bad. That's it. That's, that is sin. That's the basis, that pride of self. Uh, that's the root of everything else. Not believing him, not trusting him, not bowing to him, not preferring him, not, not wanting him to be first. All because we believe ourselves, we trust ourselves, we worship ourselves, and we greatly prefer anything about us over that God-man. That's why there's contention. That's why there's hatred. Solomon said, only by pride cometh contention. If there's conflict and there's hatred, the only reason is pride. That's so. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Henry preached out of what we're going to be looking at Wednesday. Lord willing, there in John 15, Henry preached that's called the missing note in preaching. <laughs> we're sin. You hear that much? Ain't no billboards on that. You're going to die. <laughs> it's always health and wealth, isn't it? Romans 8. If you, have, if you ask a random person at the store, you go down to the grocery store, and you say, hey, let me ask you something. Do you hate God? Most most of them nowadays, who knows? Well, of course I don't hate God. Of course I don't. And in their minds, you know they're telling the truth? In their minds, they are. That little G God that they think of, he's fine. He just wants to do some stuff, and you just do what you want, and he's just a parachute whenever you need him. He's telling about the holy God that's on his throne that does right. And it ain't what I think's right. What he says is right. What he does is right. You tell them about him, and all of a sudden they don't want to shop in that aisle with you no more. I thought you didn't hate God. I hate that God. The man told me that one time. He said, I hate your God. I said, well, at least you're telling the truth. Remember Jacob and Leah? People say they don't hate God. Jacob says that he went into Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. He loved Rachel more than Leah. The next verse in Genesis 29 says, The Lord saw that Leah was hated. Well, he just loved her a little bit less. It don't matter what I think. It matters what God says. And he said that hated. He hated her. That's what Jacob said here. Fleshly, Jacob loved Joseph more than another. We're told plainly in the scriptures don't, don't have preference of, of people. Fleshly, he did that, didn't he? That means he hated them 11. There's conditional love. Did you know that? There's no such thing as unconditional love. People say, well, I love them unconditionally. You're lying through your teeth. I'm lying through my teeth. The Lord doesn't have unconditional love. His, God the Father's love is conditional on his son, who's perfect and holy and right and just. And us being in him is how he loves his people. Uh, it ain't, well, it, we'll just sweep that underneath the rug. That's not a holy and just God. It's conditional on Christ and us being one with him. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If he's going to be pleased, it's going to be in him, isn't it? You got Romans 8, look here in verse 6. Romans 8, verse 6. 
Paul writes, for to be carnally minded is death. That we have a carnal mind. This carnal, this flesh, you see, I have a mind. I got a brain. I think things. I discern things, don't I? But what seems right to this flesh is the wrong way. What seemed right to me, that's the way of death. To be carnally minded is death. Solomon, that wisest man of all, we read in 1 Kings, he said, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Well, that's what everybody else says. Surely there's strength in numbers, right? The crowd has to be right. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. A spiritual mind is the new mind from that new creation, that new birth, and it wasn't there before. And the Lord shows up and reveals himself to us, doesn't he? And it's the mind of Christ. That's to be spiritually minded. Not hatred, not pride, but humbleness and gratitude. Humbleness and gratitude. There's writers of old have said a lot of different things, but um, I can't remember which one it was now. Huntington, I think. He said, if the Lord saves a man, even his dogs will be the better for it. <laughs> even his animals will be. You're going to tell. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He said, let this mind be in you. That spiritual mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he was, he's God in human flesh. But he made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found fashioned of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Life and peace. If we have that, that's, that we'll have the spiritual life and spiritual peace. If he has this mind in us. It says, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, it's hate, it's hostility. It's warring against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are of the flesh cannot please God. For everybody in this room, for everybody in this county, for everybody on this earth, that's at least half of us, <laughs> of this person. <laughs> that's at least, we all have an old nature. That's what we come out of Adam with. The Lord has to give that new life. He, has to give it. he had to come down from his father to us wicked people that hated him to live for us and die for us and then now send his comforter to us and to, and to preach these things in our heart and give us life. Carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What did our text say? Look here in Genesis 37. Look back at verse 4. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. It was impossible, wasn't it? Impossible. Wow, these brothers hated Joseph because he was the father's favorite. Christ is the father's favorite. Mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. He's the favorite. The sons of Jacob, they hated Joseph because of his sovereignty. He was going to rule over them. Look in verse 5. 
And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I've dreamed. For behold, there were, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about it, and made obeisance to my sheaf, bowed to it. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? You going to prophesy these things, tell us this is going to happen, and that's what's going to happen? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Because he was going to reign over his brothers, they were going to bow down to him. They got so mad they wanted to kill him. Do you remember? Because he's going to be king of them in essence, right? Do you remember why Christ was crucified on that cross at Calvary? What was written over top of his head? It was in Greek and it was in Latin and it was in Hebrew. That means whatever language it is, we're going to let you know this is the king of the Jews. This is going to be the, the one that arose. He's upright. He's the head chief. <laughs> and y'all going to bow to him. And out of mocking, they told the truth. Out of ignorance, they told the truth. That's why they was mad at him. Wasn't it? Just like Joseph's brothers, our sin-filled instinct, we will not have this man reigning over us. I know better. We reject his power. We reject his position. We reject his preference. Naturally, don't we? That's who he came to. And shake him in this world right here. He said, I'll go. If you know what you are, don't that break your heart? How loving and kind the Lord for making us know that. Not everyone knows it, but some do, don't they? It said in John 15, they both seen and hated me and my father. The world's seen it. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that's written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. You can be mad about it all you want right now, but if God's going to save you, you're going to be thankful here in a little while when he does it. In John 16, And when he is come, he will prove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. That's what Christ said, and I didn't believe it. Thank you, Lord, for showing me that. Thank you for seeing his kindness. We're the sons of Joseph. He loved the son. Or we're the sons of Jacob. He loved the son and the one willing to serve the father and those that hated him. He, he's pure. He's righteous. And he, he loved us when we had no love for him. We're the wicked ones. There's no cause in us for him to love us. He's the good shepherd. He said, I giveth my life for the sheep. Willingly. Well, it was, this wasn't what the rules were. He had to grit his teeth and just tough it out. That's what has to happen. He wanted to. That's a love I can't enter into. Those, those hirelings, they'll flee because the hirelings, they don't care for the sheep, but that good shepherd, he goes, I know my sheep, I know of mine, and I'm going to give my life for them. I'm going to lay down my life. Look here at Genesis 37, verse 13. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock and Shechem? Come, I'll show, I, I will send thee unto them. And he said, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, and see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. You report back to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. The father sent the son from the vale of Hebron. That means that's the place of sweet communion. The veil of Hebron, the sweet communion to Shechem, to stiff-necked, to where Dina was defiled. That's where he sent him. 
And that's our king, isn't it? Who you and I believe in. Didn't he come from his place on high? And, and though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That through his poverty we might be rich. When Christ came to this earth to bear all that he did, to live a life for his brethren, given to him by the Father, he did it willingly. Willingly. For love's sake. For love to his holy Father and to love for love that he had towards those who were actively at war with him. Hebrews 12 says, For seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. What are we having for lunch? <laughs> a holy God came and was made flesh for me. I don't care what I'm having for lunch. Lay aside those weights. What about the pain? What's coming up next week? Who cares? This is important. The sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, joy, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of his, his father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something? For us. That, is that good news? Let's bottle that up and hide it. Should we, should we dig a deep hole and get down in a cave somewhere and just not tell nobody about it and just be self? Of course not. <laughs> he ain't going to run out of that goodness. He, 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 he has mercies for thousands, isn't he? How many is that? I don't know. Tell him. His riches are immense. He ain't going to run out. Tell everybody. There in verse 15. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, said, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, wasn't it? Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, There departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go down to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And he, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will come of his dreams. And Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood. But cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph. They stripped him out of his coat. His coat of many colors that was on him. Our Lord was stripped of his garments, wasn't he? Taking down that soldier's house, and they put their own garments on him and mocked him and put a crown of thorns on his head and spit on him and scourged him. All that that means. He was made sin. Everything that entails. That took place, didn't it? Look at verse 24. And they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Where's that pit? Where'd that take place? That's the cross of Calvary, isn't it? There was no water there. What did he cry? Right before he cried, it's finished. Out of that pit of despair, his father forsaken him. Willing, him willingly lay down his life. That's where it was where the rubber was meeting the road, wasn't it? What did he say on that cross? I thirst. I thirst. Verse 25, and they sat down to eat bread. Talk about, 
Well, you should have a clear conscience. Uh, maybe we shouldn't. Well, get him down off that cross. We're gonna. We got a Sabbath to observe. What are you doing? We got to keep God happy. Religion sent more men to hell and women to hell than, than a bottle ever did, than a needle ever ever could. They sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead, and their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Can't no man, I mean, we're going to be happy. He'll be out the way, but maybe we can make some profit. He said, Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Now morals show up when money does, don't they? <laughs> when it's beneficial. And they're <clears throat> passed by the Midianites, the merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph to Egypt. Our Lord Jesus was sold for silver, wasn't he? Just like Joseph. Verse 29, And Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned to his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? What am I going to do now? I, I told you all not to kill him, to just put him in there. Maybe we could sell him. And then he got in there and he got sold. What am I going to do now? Remember when Judas betrayed him? He saw that he, he was condemned, and he saw what he did, and he repented himself, and he brought those 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priest and the elders, and he said, I've sinned that I've betrayed innocent blood. He went and killed himself, didn't he? Went and hung himself. Verse 31, and they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in blood, and they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. We found this coat. Is this your favorite beloved son's coat or isn't it? What a horrible children, isn't it? To a sibling and a child to do this, to take it to their father, doing their father this way. Bringing their disguised sin to them. Like begets like, don't we? Are we any different? What did Jacob do? He went to his father with a false coat, didn't he? For a blessing. These are just hide their own sin. Verse 33. And he knew it and said, This is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes. And he put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. That pain's real, isn't it? And you just, oh, he hit the ground and. People go through trials. I, I I don't want to be stoic. I want to be cold. Uh, I weep with you. I know what that's like. But it's right. It's good, isn't it? Verse 35, And all his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him. That's that's low. They brought this lie to him, making him think his son's dead because it's their doing. And it's all, oh, let me hug you. Oh, sweetie pie. Oh, honey. Daddy, we just... It's okay. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites, they sold him to Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, a captain of the guard. In doing that, little did they know that was going to be their very salvation. 
That was the very thing that's going to keep them from starving to death. <laughs> when that famine came, when the judgment of God came, and they're going to starve to death. Well, there's corn in Egypt. That fellow looks kind of familiar. <laughs> by their, their wicked hands, by their foolishness, that's the very means the Lord's going to use to save that family physically. Isn't it? Well, you know what we ought to do? We ought to sin more. God forbid. We ought to know better than that, don't we? Read Acts 2. It said, Him, the Lord Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God because of His wisdom, His providence, and His love for His people. He delivered Christ. You've taken by wicked hands of crucified and slain Him. We did it. We did it. What we've been looking at Wednesday, is the, 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 you slay the prophets, but if you were there, you'd have slayed the prophets, but now you, you adorn their graves. And Oh, man, we love them so much. He said, you'd have killed them too. What's he teaching us in that? So I wouldn't have done that to the Lord. I heard an old Pentecostal man preach when I was a little kid, and he said, if I was there, I wouldn't have let Christ die on that cross. You'd have held the hammer and swung it. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's what they're going to find out here in a couple more chapters. That sheaf was upright. It did arise. <laughs> we're going to bow to him. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Bow to God. Obey him. Come to him. As our Lord hung on that cross for us, leading up to that, the beatings and the mocking, he cried out to the Father. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there was some there in attendance. That's who Peter ended up preaching at Pentecost. Every one of those brothers are going to come to Joseph. They're going to bow to him. They're going to have their lives saved by him. And they're going to be very happy about it. They're going to cry and hug necks. I pray the Lord would do that to his people. Would bring us through famine and trial and whatever it takes. <laughs> kicking and screaming if need be. To our elder brother who was willing to come and live for us and die for us and make us bow down to him and follow him. Amen. All right, Brother Mike.